and welcome to Soul City Church. Good to see you today. Those of you who are here in this room, those of you who are uh, in our overflow space, you're maybe watching online or listening to the podcast. I'm so glad that you are here right now. And I believe God's brought you here for a reason uh, today. My name is Jarrett Stevens. I'm one of the lead pastors here at Soul City Church. And we've been in a teaching series called Start With Yes. We've been looking at how we can actually say yes to a God who's already said yes to you. What does that look like for you to have a life of saying yes to God, to saying yes as early and as often as possible? And today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the big decisions of your life and how you can actually start with a yes for the big decisions that you may be discerning and having to decide right now in your everyday life. Now, Sean asked you a second ago about one of the best decisions you've ever made. And that's such a loaded question. If you're sitting with your spouse, the, uh, you know, like if you don't, if you got that quiz wrong, uh, we got, we, we got, we, you need help. Uh, but I want to ask you, I want to, I wonder, uh, just by show of hands, you don't have to share it. Anyone here ever made a really bad decision? You ever made a bad decision just by show? Yeah, that, like a Taco Bell after midnight, bad. Like a Taco Bell anytime is bad decision. We all have our Fair share of bad decisions. In fact, we, we, we could probably tell that story uh, the rest of the day today, all about the decisions that you've made that you wish you would have made differently. You wish you would have made a, a wise choice, maybe, instead of the choice that you made. We can access those actually pretty quickly and pretty easily in our lives. And so rather than doing that, though, I'd like to actually kind of look ahead for your life right now and ask you, do you have any big decisions coming up? Do you have any decisions on the horizon of your life that you're in the middle of making right now. Maybe it's a career decision. Maybe it's something with a move, a, a, a potential move. Maybe it's a relational decision. There's a big decision, whether you should continue this relationship, whether you should pursue this relationship, whether you should end this relationship. Maybe uh, there's things around your family. Should we move to the burbs? You know, should we take that thing up? I bet all of us have at least one or two, maybe more, big decisions on the horizon of our life. And that's what I really want us to talk about. How do we invite God in and start with a yes for those decisions? You know, it's really significant to consider how many decisions you actually make in the course of a day. Sociologists and experts who studied human behavior and how we come about making the decisions that we do found that the average person makes 70 conscious decisions a day. You make 70 conscious decisions a day. Now, you're here at our third gathering. You've already made a significant number of those decisions, or maybe up to half of those decisions you already made today. Some folks uh, are still unconscious from last night and haven't woken up. They haven't made a single decision yet. You're already way ahead of them, so great job on that. So if you make 70 a day, that means that in the course of an average year, you're going to make somewhere around 25,500 decisions meaningful decisions. That means over the course of 75 years, so from when you start kind of making conscious decisions to whenever, let's just say 75, we'll pick a number. 75 years, you're going to make 2,916,250 decisions. That's a significant number. Almost 2 million is a number. Almost 2 million conscious decisions over the course of your lifetime. So do you think maybe it matters how you go about making the decisions that you make? Do you think maybe it matters to God how you go about making the decisions that you actually make? This is why Albert Camus famously said that your life is really just a sum of your choices. If you break it all down, that's really what it is. Your life is a, it's just the sum of your choices. The story, maybe that's a better way for you to think of it, of your 
choices, all of your decisions, your big ones, your little ones, tell the story of your life. They will one day tell the story of your life, who you marry, where you live, the career you pursue, what you do with your resources, how you respond to life's challenging moments. All of that matters. It matters to God. And it doesn't just matter for today. I think lots of times when it comes to decisions, we kind of get stuck in the right here and the right now. It doesn't just matter for today. It matters for tomorrow. And it doesn't just matter for you. It matters for others as well. Listen, you may not realize this, but you're here because two other people, whether conscious or not, made a decision and you're here because of that decision. And where they decided to live determined where you grow up. Do you see all of those decisions that they made weren't just in a bubble. They actually had an effect on you. So our decisions matter. So what we want to do for the next couple of moments is figure out how to get from here, and you are here, to there, whatever there may be, whatever the decision may be in your life. How do you kind of navigate all the twists and turns of life and all the, you know, almost two million decisions you have to make to get from here to there? How do you discern and make difficult, challenging, big, and significant decisions in your life. Now, something you need to know about Jean and I, Jean and I made a decision early on in our marriage, before we even had kids, that we wanted to create the kind of family where our kids would have stories to tell their kids one day. And they're going to tell stories anyway. We just wanted to have some control over those stories. (laughs) And we wanted them to be fun. We wanted to create memories. We wanted to be as intentional as possible with the time God gave us with our kids. And so right around this time last year, we made a decision based on that vision, that value we have for our family. We thought it would be a fun thing for us to do over our summer break. And we thought, you know, it'd be really fun. We've never done this before. Uh, What if we took an RV trip? What if we piled the whole family in an RV and took an RV trip together, kind of focused, intense, intentional time together? Um, How many of you have ever taken an RV trip before? Raise your hand. Exactly. Look around. Not... A lot of people. Next question is how many of you have taken more than one? Because it's really, so we decided we wanted to spend that time to be intentional with our kids, to have that focus sort of, basically let's put us all in a box and then on the road uh, for the course of a week and sort of see what happens. So we made the decision to book an RV trip for later in the summer, which was this last summer. And so this is us literally right before we took off. So much possibility, so many fun things. Everyone's smiling. People are showered. It's a great picture. I want to show you the size of the mini, Vin- of the mini Winnie that we actually rented. That's the name. It's called the Mini Winnie. That's the size of the RV. I rented the largest RV I could legally drive for the shortest amount of time possible. I was hedging my bets. I did not start with a yes the RV. I started with a maybe. And we'll see how this trip actually goes. Now, some of you may know with our marriage, our family, and Gina and I have talked about this before, that we have a, what we call a partnership marriage, where we truly have committed to partnering in every aspect of our family and our marriage, 100%. We don't try and like split it up 50-50. We just take 100% responsibility for our marriage, right? So that's, that's true of our marriage, with the exception of one significant area, and that's driving. <laughs> Jeannie takes... of driving for our family. So I was the guy behind the wheel of the Mini Winnie all through Northern California. We went to go see Yosemite. We went to Lake Tahoe. We went to the gold country. Absolutely beautiful country. And I've never felt uh, closer to God while driving this RV. And I don't mean because of my 
surroundings and because of nature and creation all around me. I mean, because there were so many two-lane mountain pass roads that I had to drive at night while everyone's asleep in the beds in the back of the RV. I prayed like I've never prayed before. I said other words too that I'm not going to say in church. So it was a significant moment for us in our marriage. Now, here's the deal. We had a lot of decisions to make to get from here to there. Our goal was to go and see all of these places, you know, Yosemite, Lake Tahoe, Gold Country, and then get back to the RV rental place in one piece uh, so we can get our, our deposit back. So we had a lot of decisions to make. We could have gone a lot of different ways, north, south, east, west, west, you know, right, left. We get all those decisions. But I want to be really clear about what came before all of the little decisions. And there were a lot of them. We had to book camping grounds. We had to make sure how long do we want to stay here? Do we want to stay there? Was there a better one? What if we want to stay a day longer? All those decisions, right? Those are important little decisions that you have to make on a trip like this. But something came before all of those decisions that actually drove those decisions. And that was that we had a vision for our family and for our time together. Really important. We didn't just like happen to walk by an RV rental place and go, those look cool. Let's just get in and see where we go. Didn't work that way for us, right? We had a vision. We want to spend intentional time with our kids and create memories that they tell their kids about one day. It started with a vision. So all of these little things that were seemingly right in front of our face, how do we get there? How do we book this? How do we do that? Those were all driven by this vision. Does that make sense? And just as that was true for our trip, a lot of different ways we could have gone, a lot of different places we could have seen, the same is true of your life. That whatever the decisions are that you are facing, that you have in front of you, you have to start with a vision for your life. You gotta start with a God-given vision for your life, or all you will see is an endless array of decisions in front of you, as opposed to a destination where you believe that God is actually leading you. You gotta start with a vision for your life. Do you have a vision for your life? Do you have any sort of picture of what you want your life with God to be like in this world? Do you have a vision for your life? And your vision may be, you know, it could be, I want to get married one day. I have a vision to be married, to have a family, to have a home, God willing, a yard with that home. That's a great place to start. I would, that's a great vision to have. I would say there's more to life than that, but it's a great place to start. We have some friends who, several friends, in fact, who have a vision, not just for a home, but for their home, about their home. And their vision is that they want their home to be open and available to anyone who needs space. And so they'll have, at any given moment, people living with them, staying with them. Every time we go over to hang out with them, have dinner with them, there's someone living in their house, someone new, someone living in their house. They've shared, they have a vision for their home and how they want it to be a space for others. Isn't that a beautiful vision? And so that kind of determines some of the decisions they make about the kind of home they live in and where they want to live. And we have other friends. Our friends, John and Kelly, live out in the suburbs. They actually have a vision for their family, not just to have a family, but they have a vision for their family. They actually want to be a safe place for kids who have gotten lost between in the cracks of the foster care system. So they've gone through a lot of work to become a safe family. And they host different kids in their home for a week, a month, a couple months because they have a vision for their family. Does that make sense? They're, to be a safe family where kids can come at a moment of crisis and find peace in the presence of Jesus in their family. Isn't that beautiful? So the question is, do you have a vision for 
your life. And here's why it's so important that vision always comes before decisions. Here's why. And I want you to get this. In fact, this is one of the smartest things I've ever come up with. Best thing I came up with this last week. So you might want to actually jot it down because it's really, really important and can help guide and direct, I believe, your life. Here's why. Vision gives decisions direction. Vision for your life gives all of the decisions you have to make in your life a direction, a course, a way to go. Without a vision for your life, you're kind of like a ship without a rudder in uncharted waters. And you'll sort of react to this wave and that wave and this circumstance and that circumstance. But when you have a vision for your life, that vision actually gives your decisions some direction. So let me give you an example. Jean and I have a vision for our resources, for our, our money, our stuff. One of the visions that God gave us right before we started this church was that we would, by the end of our life, be giving more to God than we are actually living on. We want to do what they call reverse tithe, where we give 90% and live on 10%. So that's a vision that we actually have for our resources. It's a big vision. We are not there yet. But that vision directs our decisions, you know, helps us kind of determine what we do with our resources. Let me also be clear about this. We also have a vision to spend the last quarter of our life living in Santa Barbara. I don't know how those two visions are going to work together. God's going to have to do some miracle to make that happen, or we're going to live in a tent, whatever it may require. But do you see, these are visions that help give our decisions direction. Does that make sense? It's the vision that you have for your life, for your stuff. I have a vision of leaving behind a library of books and resources that help our kids and our kids' kids find and follow Jesus. I wanna leave behind my life whatever I can, every clue, every direction, every book, every whatever it is to help our kids and their kids find and follow Jesus. Now that's a vision that I have for my life that helps direct and determine the decisions I make about my time and what I give myself to. Jeannie has a vision. I don't know how many of you are here women who are here Friday night for Eden. What a powerful night on Friday night for Eden. She has a vision to see thousands and thousands of women live and lead from their soul. And that directs and determines the decisions that we make when it comes to Eden. Do you get how important the vision always comes before decisions? Because your vision gives your decisions direction. Without a vision for your life, you honestly just become a victim to your circumstances. Without a vision, you become a victim to your circumstances and whatever this season brings or that season brings. So that's why it's important to start there. And I want to get to, kind of down to some nitty gritty, but I want us to start there because this is so important because what's going to happen in life, what always happens in life is maybe you have your little plan, you have your vision of how to get from here to there, but then something happens, an unexpected detour happens, the loss of a job, the breakup ending of a relationship, the, a divorce that you did not see on the horizon, the death of someone that you love. You see what can happen is you can have your plan, you can have your vision, you can have all that, but then life sends us forks in the road, doesn't it? Detours, paths we didn't think we'd ever be walking. And what do you do when that happens? That's what I want to talk about for the next couple of minutes. What do you do when life kind of sends you a detour and you don't know which end is up or which way to go. God actually has something for you, a gift for you that is greater than you and greater than your circumstance. And it comes directly from him and it's for you. And it's something you can actually put into practice in your life today. And it all starts with a yes to the word wisdom. 
It's a yes to wisdom. We're going to talk about what that really means. So grab a Bible and turn to Proverbs chapter 4, if you would, please. Proverbs chapter 4. We're going to learn how to say yes to wisdom. Proverbs chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible with you, both here and in our overflow space, grab a gray Bible. It's in the seat back in front of you. And turn to page 440 in the gray Bible. You'll be able to get there faster. Let me give you some quick context of the book of Proverbs. This is a book of wisdom. This is a manifesto on wisdom written by King Solomon, son of King David, two very big characters in the Old Testament. Early on, God asked Solomon, Solomon, ask of me anything you want. What do you want of me? Solomon could have asked for wealth. He could have asked for fame. He could have asked for territory. Do you know what Solomon asked of God? Give me wisdom. Give me wisdom. And so God does, becomes the wisest man to ever live. And this is a reflection on wisdom in the book of Proverbs. And in some sections, he's speaking directly to his son. He's kind of passing on sort of this legacy of wisdom. And he wants him to get this. So at a couple of points, you're going to hear kind of him referring to his son. But you can just insert your own name during that part. Let's start in verse 5, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 5. The wisest man to ever live starts out by saying this, get what? Get Wisdom, get wisdom. Let me be really clear. Get wisdom, get understanding. Don't forget my words or turn away from them. It's really important that you get wisdom. Verse six, don't forsake wisdom. And he, now he kind of takes wisdom and treats her like a, a person in a relationship, a woman in a relationship, speaking to his son in this case. Don't forsake wisdom and she will what? She will protect you from all the bad and dumb decisions that I'm prone to making. She will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. Now I love, I love, I love wisest man to ever walk. He wants to give us how we could actually start and get wisdom. Verse seven, he says this. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom, all right? So he's basically, this is like that paper you had to write in high school where you just kind of kept repeating phrases over and over again. That's what the book of Proverbs is. Get wisdom, get wisdom, get wisdom. You wanna know where to start? Start by getting wisdom. Do whatever you got to do to get wisdom. Look what he says, verse seven. Though it costs you all you have, get understanding. This is what's really interesting. The wisdom that flows from God, from heaven, is free for all. Here's what's so amazing and so generous about the wisdom of God. You may be here today or listening online and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian yet. You haven't crossed that line of saying yes to Jesus yet. You know what's so amazing about the wisdom of God? It actually can bless and benefit your life even if you're not in a relationship yet with God. That's how powerful the wisdom of God is. And it's free for all. But Solomon says, it may cost you something, even though it's free. It may cost you your pride because you don't do it your way when you trust the wisdom of God. It may cost you your plans. You kind of had it all mapped out this way. God's like, awesome. We're going to go this way for a little while. It may cost you your preferences, the way you would like things to go in this world. It's free for all, but it will cost you. It does come at a cost. Now listen to what Solomon says wisdom will do for you over the course of your life. Jump down to verse 12. Let's just kind of keep moving through this. He says this, when you walk, when you walk through life, your steps will not be hampered. When wisdom is your guide, your steps won't be hampered. When you run, you will not stumble. Isn't that an awesome vision promise that you can move forward in faith and in freedom because you're walking, even running in a way of wisdom. Verse 13, so hold on to instruction. Don't let it go. Guard it well, for it is your what? Life. life. See how significant Solomon is saying wisdom is? It's not just sort of like an option you lean into when you need to make a decision. It's your way. It's your life. So protect it, nurture it. Don't let it go. 
Verse 20, my son, now again, this is one of those moments where he's referring specifically to his son. My son, I want you to think about this from the heart of God as a perfect parent speaking to you right now, okay? So insert your own name here. Jarrett, in my case, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ears to my words. Another way of saying that is lean in. Like, you know, you can see a guy going, okay, come here, come here, lean in. I don't want you to miss this. Don't let these words, don't let wisdom out of your sight. Keep them within your what? This is important. Keep them within your heart. Now we're gonna get back to that in just a second. Keep them within your heart for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. You get the bigger picture that Solomon's painting of wisdom. It's not just a little tool for making decisions on the fly. It's a bigger thing. Verse 23, above all else, guard your what? Guard your heart for, now listen to this, and tell me this isn't true. For everything you do flows from your heart. Now here's what's interesting. When Solomon wrote this and wrote these words down, kind of gave this to his son in his day, in Middle Eastern culture, in this time, they, they would know, they would understand exactly what he's talking about. The problem is we live in a Western culture, a modern Western culture, where when it comes to wisdom, the first thing we think of is our head. And we think that wisdom and knowledge are kind of like the same thing, synonymous for each other. And it's true, there is a knowledge that comes from wisdom, but they're not, wisdom is not just a thing of the head. It's actually a thing of the heart because in your heart, that's where your desires are. And your desires will drive your life. You already know this. If you were to be honest for a second, reflect on your life, your desires have driven your life. And so that's why Solomon says it's so important that wisdom becomes a part of all of who you are because when it lives in your heart, it will come out of your heart and it will actually give your decisions direction in your life. Now he goes on to say this, verse 26. Give careful thought to, and I love this, give careful thought to the paths of your feet. Like consider this. Weigh your decisions and be, what's the word? And be steadfast. That's such a good Bible word. When was the last time you said, how are you doing today? I'm feeling steadfast in all my decisions. <laughs> so what does that mean? It means that to be steadfast means to be confident, sure, consistent, that you can actually not only stand on this, but walk on it and run on it. Be steadfast in all your ways. Because look at this, verse 27, because there's always a temptation to turn to the right or to the left. There's always a temptation to find a little, you know what, I'm going to take this little shortcut this way. Plenty of those things. And he says, keep your feet from evil. Don't turn to the right or the left. Don't try and find a little way around to circumvent God's will, God's wisdom for your life. Don't do it because every one of those detours is going to derail your life in some way. So that's why Solomon's painting such a big picture here. Get wisdom. Hold on to wisdom. Don't let wisdom go. Stay the path of wisdom. Now, there have been plenty of times in my life where I, I had wisdom. I mean, I kind of grew up going to church. I've heard a lot. I've been reading the Bible most of my life. And I've even had wisdom. I knew what was right, what God was leading me to do. And maybe you could, you've done this too. And I still did it my way. My terms, my way. I know that's the right thing, but I'm just going to do it this way because I don't know if God knows this. I am the exception to the rule. I can kind of take this shortcut. I can, and I'm telling you, it has yet to work out. And equally, I have yet to regret walking in the path of wisdom. I haven't missed a thing when I've walked in wisdom. It's cost me some things. 
but I've gained so much more because of it when I get that right. And it's also really interesting to consider that even Solomon, you know, who gives us this opus on wisdom and is the wisest person ever walked the face of the earth, had a massive blind spot in his life. This is why I love the Bible. And for me, further evidence of its authenticity and authority in my life, because every one of the characters are messed up people. The only perfect person in the Bible is Jesus. Only one to actually get out being perfect. Everyone else has their flaws. In fact, Solomon's was significant. The Bible says the wisest man to ever walk the face of the earth had 700 wives. <laughs> 700 wives. And the text actually says, and 300 honeys on the side. <laughs> That's actually in the Bible. That's actually in the Bible. I'm not kidding. I don't know if it says honey's on the side, but if you translate it back down to the, you know, hotline blank. So he, all right, so a thousand women in his life. Now, for those of you who've been in a relationship or are in a relationship in a marriage right now, you already know how hard it is to manage one person in your life. Not the wisest move, Solomon. So he had his blind spots too. In fact, maybe that's why his warning comes with such clarity to his son, to you, and to I. When you, st when you take a detour off the, the path of wisdom that God has for your life, things are gonna end up getting derailed. So that's why this is so important. And I think what Solomon is pleading with us to get again and again and again throughout this chapter, throughout the whole book of Proverbs, is that the best decisions in your life, the best decisions, start with a yes to wisdom. The best decisions you'll ever make Start with a yes to wisdom. Before you figure out this way, that way, the other, it starts with a yes to saying, God, I actually want to do this your way. I want your wisdom. I want what's best for my life according to you. I want to say yes. I want to start with yes to wisdom. Not opinion, not consensus, wisdom. Not what your parents did, not what everyone else in your field does. Wisdom, that's greater than and bigger than you. So, question, checking in now. Anyone here need that kind of wisdom for their life? <laughs> yeah, me too. Anyone here need any wisdom for any decisions you've got up on the horizon, you've got coming down the line where you go, man, I, I get it, I, I, I need wisdom in this area. Or maybe for you, you need wisdom for bad decisions you made in the past that you're still walking through or walking or working your way out of. Do you know that God's wisdom is so powerful and so generous? He even has wisdom for the bad decisions you made in the past. So anyone here need that kind of wisdom like Solomon? How, how do you get wisdom? <laughs> His practical next steps aren't super helpful. Get wisdom. How do I do it? Just get it. <laughs> so I want to help break it down a little bit for our everyday life. And I want to give you a little challenge. And this is, I'll, I'll kind of wrap up with this challenge. And you might want to jot this down because it's something you can actually begin to do to start to say yes to wisdom right now, today, right now, today in your life. Um, and I want to give a little caveat. For, uh, this may not matter, but I just want to give a quick caveat. I grew up, as I mentioned, going to church. Uh, grew up hearing sermons. Grew up hearing way, you know, plenty of pastors and preachers. And one of the things I noticed, even as a kid, is when they'd get sort of to wrapping up uh, a message on whatever complex you know, theological thing we were just working through, they would always sort of wrap it up with like three simple steps. You know, and it always just kind of struck me as a lot. Like, really, you're gonna, 
There's three simple, like all I, I just missed these three simple steps. That's all I need is three simple steps. It all just seems so cliche to me. I don't know if you grew up growing in church or with that kind of thing. It just seemed very cliche to me. And uh, particular pastors and preachers would always have their three simple steps start with the same letter. You know what I mean? It's like, really? And I would always feel like the third one, like you just threw that in because you needed another word that started with that letter. I don't even, you know what I mean? So the whole thing seemed super cliche to me. So I, with that being said, what I want to uh, offer you in closing is uh, uh, three simple steps for life. <laughs> discerning life's most difficult decisions. I just feel like I want to continue in the legacy that was laid out for me and give you the opportunity <laughs> to just have three simple steps. And I say that all tongue in cheek, but they actually all start with the same letter. All right, so first one, how do you do this? How do you actually get wisdom, say yes to wisdom in your life? First step you can actually take today, and it's a really important one. You have to discern. You got to spend some time discerning. Now, what does discerning mean? That means walking around in a decision. That means seeking wisdom from God and from the people of God. Discerning is the process where you reflect before you react. And a lot of us just kind of go, 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 do, 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 shoot from the hip. And discernment is a muscle you're going to need to grow. Because discernment really is, this is when, when Solomon says, get wisdom, this is how you get it. You take some time and you seek God, you seek his word, you seek people. In fact, there, there's no better well of wisdom that I've found in my life than God's word and God's people. And when I have a big decision to make and I have kind of a big you know, thing I'm trying to discern in my life, which way I should go, which way I should go to get from here to there, I, I've found that God's word and God's people are one of the best places for me to start, to go to, to consider what it is that God would have me do, what wisdom would have for me. Please do not be the only counsel you seek on your big decisions. Like Solomon had this giant blind spot that everyone else in the kingdom can see. You have blind spots in your life that you do not see that others around you do. So seek God's word, seek God's people out in the process of discernment. Ask yourself, is there anything that God already says about this? You may be stuck, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do, but God's actually already given you a next step. So is there anything that God's actually already said about this? And the discernment process is you go and you actually read the Bible, you engage the Bible, you ask others around you. Hey, what, what has God said about this? Not just to you, but outside of you. What has God said about this area? What might God be saying? Does this decision lead me to loving God and loving others more? Does this open my life up to more love for God and more love for others? Does this decision move me towards the vision God's given me for my life? That's a big one. You may have a great opportunity for a new job in a new state. Awesome. What an awesome opportunity. You should pat yourself on the back for being given the opportunity. But does it lead you towards the vision God's given you for your life? If it does not, then the answer may be no for now. Because your vision directs your decisions. So does it draw me closer to the vision God's given me for my life or for the season or for my resources or for whatever it may be? Does this decision go against anything God's already said in his word? I'm wondering if I should do this. I'm wondering if I should do that. I wonder if we should move in together. I wonder if we should get a place together. I wonder if I should take out this loan and kind of borrow against money I don't actually have. God actually has a lot to say about that. And it may cost you your pride and your plans and your preferences. 
but it is worth it. So you start by discerning. And I would say the bigger the decision, the greater the discerning that's needed. Like, I don't think you like had to fast and pray about what to wear today. You look great. You made great choices already today. But for those big decisions on the horizon of your life, the greater the decision, the longer it may take for you to discern. Could take a couple weeks. Could take a couple months. Could take a year for you to discern God's wisdom for your life. And let me just ask you this question, because this really flies in the face of our sort of hyper-accelerated instant gratification culture. But I just want you to consider this for a second. Wouldn't you rather take a couple months in discernment rather than having a couple years of regret? Wouldn't you? Don't they? I mean, the numbers just sort of work out better that way, in my opinion. So give discernment the time and space that it needs for God to actually speak to you through his word and through his people. All right, second step. And you're gonna be shocked at what letter this one starts with. (laughs) Decide. You actually, listen to me, you gotta decide. And I think we have a lot of analysis paralysis in our culture right now because a lot of us are sort of have live under the fear of missing out. And I know for me personally, I like to keep my options open until the last possible second. And what that really reveals is a fear of actually deciding and standing steadfast in my decision. Listen to me, you gotta decide. And let me also say this, you can decide. You actually can decide. God has already given you all you need for life and godliness. You can decide. And so you don't have to sort of get stuck and I don't know, I don't know, I'm just gonna keep discerning. Well, wow, man, it seems like you've been discerning that for like five, six, seven years. Maybe it's because you're actually afraid of actually making a decision, making a commitment. I remember when we were starting this church, uh, we were living in Atlanta at the time. We've told this story before. We were living in Atlanta, and and, um, we had a vision, guys. We had a vision for this church. We had a vision for this church. But what we didn't have was details. We didn't have decisions and direction of what we were supposed to do. We just knew that that's what was going to be next for our life. So it set us up along a series of, it directed our decisions for what was next because we saw the vision God has given us for this church. But the biggest question we had in the very beginning was, where does this church go? Where do we start this church? And we had the prayer, God, do we start where we're at or where we're from? Where we were at at the time was Atlanta, where we're from is Chicago. God, do we go where we're at or where we're from? And so in that day, uh, we only had two people uh, on staff. They were unpaid staff members. It was um, me and Jeannie. And, <laughs> and we actually had staff meetings every week. And I'm not kidding. Like we would sit down with our little agenda for the two of us, all right? But we believed in the vision God has given us. And so we set out and we were going hard in those days. And so, so we would have our staff meeting and we would say, okay, where do you think God's leading us? For, this is the first big decision of our church, where it should go. And Gene would say, you know, I just, man, I, I feel like if I've, I was talking to my friends back in Chicago and if we could ever start a church in Chicago that my friends would want to go to, I think that would just be an incredible thing. Like, oh, I get that. I said, babe, it's so weird. I was driving through Atlanta and I was just noticing, it says, I mean, so much, you know, the church has got to need a, needs a fresh expression in this city. And I just think we, this kind of church could do so well in Atlanta. So we go, all right, shoot. This is our first decision. We can't agree on it. All right, well, I'll see you next week at our scheduled meeting. <laughs> and so, so we went, we did. And now listen to me. This is, this is what happened for weeks and weeks and weeks. We would come to the next meeting. And I'd go, you know what, Jeannie? As I was coming back from that trip, I was flying through and I flew over Chicago 
And God broke my heart for that city. I love the city of Chicago. Babe, I could see our home, our lives, our church being in Chicago. And she would say, well, that's so interesting because I was having coffee in this neighborhood in Atlanta and I just, <laughs> I saw this building, this warehouse that would be so amazing for our church. This went on for almost two months. This was our first major decision. We were off to a great start. <laughs> and one of the scariest and most liberating places I ever came to with God was when I sensed God and Jeannie sensed God say to both of us, listen to this, these words, you choose. You choose. You decide. Do you think if you started in Atlanta, I'm going to be like, oh, you knew I like Chicago better. <laughs> like, like what God's, I mean, he does, but is that what he's really, he's not going to say that. And what I felt God saying in that was a very, it was for me, it was a very new place because I wanted God to make all my decisions for me. And what God said, no, 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 no. God said, I'm trying to form you into who I created you to be. You choose, you decide. It's time for you to grow up, Jarrett, from this little faith and theology that believes that God's either behind door number one or door number two. And that if you choose wrong, God's not going to be with you. Maybe it's time for you to grow your little faith and your little theology up because you're so afraid of doing it wrong that you are unwilling to actually make a decision. May I remind you of what the psalmist David said, if I go to the highest heights, God, you are with me. If I make my bed in the depths, even there you are with me. My best decisions, my worst decisions, my future, my past, this present moment, he is actually with you and for you and you can decide. So you discern and you decide and then we'll close with this last one and it's, it's a real humdinger. Oh. You gotta do. It's the only other D word I could come up with that made sense. Have mercy on me. I tried, Vance. I tried so hard. I got two. You gotta do. Now listen, actually, I wanna, in all seriousness here, you actually have to then step forward into the decision. That's what it means to walk steadfast in the decisions that you've made. You discern, you listen, you walk around, you seek God's word, you seek his people, you decide, you make a decision, you come to a place of conclusion. And then you, do, you move forward. You move forward in faith and freedom. Listen to me, nothing weighs you down more than having wisdom but lacking willingness. Having wisdom, I know what God's leading me to do. I know kind of at least what the next step is. I may not understand the whole picture, but I have a vision for my life and I believe God's saying this is the next step, but then doing nothing about it. You have to actually step out and move forward. You have to do. You've got to step into. That's the only way you get from here to there. So we discern, we decide, we do. We start with a yes to wisdom and we stay with wisdom. We keep saying yes every day. We keep saying yes to God's wisdom. Even when we're on our own way, you keep saying yes to God's wisdom, even though it may be a different path than you thought it would be. You keep saying yes to God's wisdom, even when calamity and circumstances come into your life as they most certainly will. You keep saying yes. You keep saying yes to God's wisdom until it becomes your heart, your way. And we wanna be the kind of church that stands for wisdom, godly wisdom, that listens to the spirit of God and stands for godly wisdom, that we don't just sort of do what every other church does, or we don't do what our culture does, or we don't do what we've always done. We listen and discern and decide and move forward 
with God's wisdom. We want to be the kind of church that stands for that. We want to be the kind of church that offers that to each other. That we would offer each other not our opinions, not our biases or preferences, as best we can discern godly wisdom for our lives and for the lives of those that we know and love. And so what I want to do is I just want to close this message by praying for you. And I wonder, I wonder if there's anyone here who actually needs to stand and say, I need wisdom. I need wisdom. I got some big decisions. I got some difficult decisions. I got some decisions I've been putting off for a long time because I'm so afraid of doing it wrong. But I'm willing to stand up right here, right now in this space and say, I need God's wisdom. So if that's you, you need wisdom anyway. Just stand up. I'm not gonna make you come forward or sign anything. You need wisdom for your everyday life, the big, even the small decisions. Go ahead and stand up because I wanna pray for you right now. I wanna pray for you what we see in James chapter one, verse five. I love what you're doing by standing right now is you're starting by getting wisdom, like Solomon said. You're saying, yep, I wanna start with, I wanna get wisdom. James 1, 5 says that if any of you lacks wisdom, which is all of you, which is all of us, which is me, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, without judging you because you don't know what to do. And the promise is it will be given to you. God will give you his wisdom. So I would ask if you're willing to say, I want wisdom to open your hands up and open your heart up. And I just want to pray for you right now. Let's do that together right now. God, I thank you for the promise that we see in the book of Proverbs, the promise that we see in the book of James, the promise that we see in the life of Jesus, God, that you have wisdom for our lives. And so I pray for everyone who's willing in this moment to start by saying yes to wisdom, to getting wisdom in their life. And God, I even, before I pray for that, God, I I just know there's folks here right now who are listening online that God desperately need a vision for their life, a vision from you for their life, God. You did not create us to sort of just sort of drift through and you, God, create us as to be people of purpose, God. So help us to see our lives bigger than what we currently see them as, God. Help us to see our lives like you see our lives. Give us a vision today. God, I pray for conversations over lunch would be different today because we're asking bigger questions about a greater vision for our lives or for this season of our lives. And God, as you give us vision for our lives, God, we ask for wisdom. We need wisdom. Every day, God, we need wisdom. We need your wisdom. So we help us have the courage to take the time to discern, to weigh, to walk in our decisions. And then to decide, God, to say, yes, I'm gonna trust that you will be with me every step of the way. And then to move forward in faith and freedom and whatever it is, God, that you've led us to, the decisions that we make for our lives. Thank you, God, that you promise us that you were always with us and always for us. And so we get to rest in that. We don't need to be like little children plagued with fear. We get to actually stand up in our identity and authority we have in you. And we get to access wisdom from heaven for our everyday lives. And so God, we thank you that we're not bound by fear, God, but we actually get to claim our identity as children of God. And so God, we pray as your children, our perfect father, give us what only you can give, the wisdom that comes from your heart for our lives. We pray all of this in the powerful and mighty name of Jesus.